Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into this edition of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast, Believe Podcast, the network for professionals. Ryan Stone here with you, joined in this week. Got a special guest uh, joining us this week, a former new basketball legend, Gene Banks, uh, joining us on the podcast this week. Gene, appreciate you uh, taking the time to, uh, to be on with us this week. Well, thank you. I've, I've heard a lot about your what you're doing, and I think it's great. And it's a great time to do podcasts now because everybody's at home. <laughs> that, <laughs> that it is. That it is. It's a uh, it's a good time, no question about it. It was a good time for uh, for believe, I guess, to uh, to kind of come around the uh, the network that has thousands of podcasts. So uh, certainly a good good time for uh, for that. Uh, so, I mean, you played at Duke. Late 70s, early 80s, you were in the NBA uh, for a while after that. But, but I think what might be that a lot of people don't know, I didn't even know until I started necessarily doing research. You, you grew up in Philadelphia, obviously. You were actually the first elite black basketball recruit that ended up committing to, uh, to Duke from what, I, from what I've read and gathered. So, so first of all, a two-part question, you know, what led to that choice and, and what was that like for you? I'll tell you, here's, here's a little bit of history. The first guy was he was his name was uh, Claiborne. He was a guy named Claiborne was the first, and uh, he was from Danville, Virginia. And then after him came several other guys uh, in, in small dosage. You had also a George Moses. You also had a guy named Willie Hodge, who was a center from Houston, Texas. Uh, and then you had uh, John Harold, who transferred from Central, who came over at the same time I came in. But before him was Harold Morrison from East Orange, New Jersey, and Harold was one of the instrumental guys on that team, but they only had, if at most, maybe one, if lucky, two black guys on the team with Duke during that era. Um, so I never I never knew anything about Duke. You know, when I grew up in West, I grew up in West Philly, matter of fact, Will Smith lived three blocks away from me, Evelyn Champagne King was just start getting ready to try to start her career, lived right around the corner. Um, we had Phyllis Hyman living down the street, the great Phyllis Hyman. Uh, Sister Sledge lived in our area for a minute, then they moved out to the suburbs. So we had a lot, in West Philly, there's a lot of stuff that, man, it was crazy uh, how the community was, you know, um, and even basketball back then was was massive. You know, um, Duke, uh, West Philadelphia had, our rivalry was Overbrook High School. Now Overbrook had the great Wilt Chamberlain, Walt Hazard, Wilt Chamberlain's name comes out of the best. And then uh, West Philly had Ray Ching Scott. That was like Duke Carolina rivalry big time in West Philly. I mean, we had to be escorted over there. So, uh, and then the great stars like Will Smith went there, you know, uh, uh, just to name a few guys of, of Overbrook status. If you ever see Will Smith's movies at the end of you see Overbrook, it says Overbrook Productions. That's the high school he went to. So I'm giving y'all okay. a little lesson. <laughs> okay. So, um, when I came in, yeah, I, you know, I was the, I was a, one of the first McDonald's All-Americans. Uh, Magic, myself, uh, when they, they came with the McDonald's All-American game back in 77, they had a capital class game the year before, but then they changed it where the capital, the top DC players in DC will play against the McDonald's All-Americans, which they included us. So we were the first. Magic, myself, Albert King, Wayne McCoy, uh, Danny Ainge, uh, who else was on that? Oh, Herb Williams. Uh, it was a Wayne, Wayne. There was a lot of guys, and luckily enough, I, I won the MVP. You know, I won the MVP. <laughs> I'm the very first McDonald's All American MVP, and I still haven't gotten credit for that. But going back to Duke, 
Duke was really not even in the picture at all. Uh, my English teacher, uh, Duke came by, Bill Foss dropped the book off to my coach and my coach gave it to me with all the other letters. You know, when you get, at that time, you bring you get all these letters in from these coaches, but they gave me a book of Duke, but it was a book on the campus, not of the basketball team. So they had been in the ACC bottom yeah. for like four or five years in a row. Uh, I took the book with me. I went over to my English teacher. I was getting tutoring from him and he kept pushing them out, go to, you know, you should find institution. Da, 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 da. You should go to this. I was like, I, I had no interest. I know I didn't know much about Duke. You know, I didn't deal with the South much. Um, and to get him off my back, I said I would go visit because back then you only allowed to visit six schools. So I picked I picked UCLA, Notre Dame, Carolina, NC State, uh, and uh, Michigan. And I had one more left. And uh, just to get him off my back, I said, I'll go visit it. Just with nothing. He said, you got to go visit school no matter what. It wasn't about basketball. It was about the Gothic. So I decided to go. <laughs> Most night, I'm the number one. Me and Albert King are, are the number one players in the country. They laid out the red carpet. Uh, and it was nice. I saw it was a small, a small community of school. The school, the campus is beautiful, but it was a small community of school. Uh, there was not a lot of blacks, but it was just enough, you know, that was there. And it was, and then everybody came from all around the world, you know, the students there. So I said to myself, this may be something. And I opened the door up and then it was divine intervention. How I wound up going to do it really was, it was divine intervention. So, so what, I guess who was, the, who was the leader in the clubhouse before you took that visit, I guess? Uh, where, where, where do you go if you don't take that visit to Duke? The leader was UCLA. Okay. But, but University of Penn had me. University of Penn, I would have went to University of Penn hands down. The only reason why I didn't go is because the Ivy League conference was the only conference in America that still would not let freshmen play varsity basketball. You had to play on a freshman team. The Ivy League had that. Yeah. And because of that uh, – I would have stayed home, went to Penn, because back then in those days, we had called the Big Five. Yep. And they had big games at the Palestra. Yep. Uh, LaSalle, St. Joe's, Temple, Villanova, and University of Pennsylvania. And they had double hitters at the Palestra. Now, here's another history fact. The Palestra and Cameron Indoor Stadium are designed exactly the same. That's right. I've actually heard, I've actually heard that. I've, I've visited the Palestra before, and I, right. I've actually, I actually found that out when I went there. And it's it's... It's kind of it's kind of eerie if you've been to both of them to yep. uh, to kind of yep. see how similar they are. Yep, and it's just the way it's designed <laughs> with the stands is the but other than that the whole the whole design is just exactly like Cameron because the guy that designed the Plesser designed Cameron, so that's why they're 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 identical. He's a guy, uh, Adelaide. His name is Adelaide, and he was a black guy. He was a black guy. Okay. He designed okay. that, and they and Duke has honored him with the name on West Campus. So. I'm giving y'all some history. I'm learning about it. <laughs> it's also one of those that helped design the Duke Chapel, but all this didn't come to fruition. Even when I was at school, I didn't know that, that much about that, but I found yeah. that out later on. Yeah, but certainly. Uh, yeah. yeah, certainly a lot of history on that campus. There, there's no question about, uh, about that. Like you said, it is a, uh, certainly a beautiful campus. You, you mentioned you know, Duke, Duke had gone through some rough years when you first got there. Yeah. Uh, and, and that first year you were there, you guys end up you know, kind of leading a uh, historic turnaround. You go to the go to the Final Four. I think you go to the yeah. tournament three of the four, was, four years that you're there. What was that? What was that like experiencing that turnaround? You know, it was one thing when I when I had my press conference. I said the one thing I, I I felt that I had a spirituality that was in me that God said to me, and I'm not just making this up. I said I'm going to make them. An, I'm going to get them back being a national power. That was all I was seeing. I, I didn't know who was on the team. 
I just felt that confident in me. But uh, and I'm, I wasn't big like Patrick Ewan or Kim Olajuwon or Ralph Sampson being a center as a, yeah. a carrier. But I just knew uh, what I was taught was what from West Philadelphia, Joe Goldenberg, and this experience. I we lost. I lost maybe two games in my three-year career. Then there was exhibition game, and one of my games I lost to was to to the Iowa coach Fran McCaffrey. If you see Fran McCaffrey, yeah. he looks like a banker. But back then, he looked like <laughs> he, he he looked and played like Pistol Pete Maravich. He was an amazing ball handler, amazing player. Uh, and they beat us in the exhibition, uh, preseason exhibition game. He got the ball and started dribbling. So um, that being said, I, I didn't really care about what their record was. Um, I started learning about things. But when I got around with the team and uh, got used to knowing everybody, and then Kenny Bernard came in the picture. He was the other forward from Kings. You know, I'm a city boy. He's a country boy. And we hooked up and got connected right off the bat. And that changed things around. It was, it was, it was something you couldn't even imagine to write a script of how it happened. And it changed the Duke mentality. It changed the campus. It changed the uh, Durham, the, the campus on Durham. With the, it brought even the community of Durham. Because a lot of people in Durham, you know, Duke was an elite school. You know, so yep. people didn't really go over there, especially minorities. But I opened it up for minorities can come over. And it was just it was just a Cinderella thing, man. And, and we just kept winning. And we loved playing with each other. We had a great time having a great time playing with each other. So we had no fear. We just was like kids just having a having a ball and things. Yeah, certainly, yeah, certainly a, a legendary team. No question about that. You also, your last year was Coach K's first year. Yes. So what, uh, what were the early impressions of Coach K for you? Um, he was young. Um, I was never even in the process. Didn't even know who he was going to be. I was home when they announced it. Uh, then he called and asked me and Kenny. Kenny was in the Keys. I was in Philadelphia. We took a week, extra week off during that spring break time. And uh, we came in and uh, – so we, we came in and then we came back and the coach met with us and we talked to him. He was very impressive and, and uh, it was all great. Come on in. <laughs> so it, he was impressive. He was young looking, and, but he, he, he stated what he had to stay right off the bat and uh, he was pretty cool. So uh, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what to expect. Uh, he's a great motivator. And um, uh, he said to me and Kenny, he said, listen, we got to be men. I have a plan. We're going to work hard at it. And, and we believed in him. Uh, we didn't see it. He always kept saying he wasn't Bobby Knight. And uh, we always kept trying to see when that was going to happen. It never showed in the first half of the season. But we started, we won some games, lost some games. And we lost more than one. And he snapped. And he started cursing and calling everybody names. And we saw it. Then we said, okay, now we see. The real <laughs> but then he came, calmed down. But he was a great motivator. And he changed the offense for me. Uh, he jumped on the guards for, you know, and they were dilly-dallying. You know, he's a military type of guy. So he, he always, everything is structured military. And, and I love playing for him. The only thing I regret was that I didn't have another year with him. Yeah, that, that would have been, certainly been, uh, been legendary with some of those, uh, those teams he's had. Again, we were talking to, uh, to Gene Banks, former, uh, former Duke legend, played late 70s, early 80s, and played in the 80s in the NBA. Getting into your, your NBA career, what was it? What was it like playing in the, the eighties? I mean, you, you always hear so much about you know the Showtime Bird, uh, every, everybody else that was so great that played in the eighties. What was it like playing in the NBA in the eighties for you? The best basketball you would ever see, the most competitive, the most physical. Uh, you you had to be a man to play during that time. You know, you had to really be a man, and especially if you were a big player. You know, the game back then was inside and then out. 
now the game is being played outside and then in. You know, it's all outside game more than it is inside game. So uh, what's interesting about it is that fact that if you are a big man, you down them trenches, man, <laughs> you better have big cojones because guys will take your head off. They will beat the hell out of you. So uh, I felt great. I got drafted by the San Antonio Spurs, and I, I was supposed to be a third pick, but I wanted to be a 28th because I snapped my wrists in my last game at Duke. I broke my wrist in half. So I dropped in the draft pretty much. And uh, it's funny that even when I, it was three months before the draft when it happened. Um, but team flew me in after I had my surgery and they looked at it. Matter of fact, the person that picked me up from the airport for the, when the Lakers flew me was Pat Riley. Pat Riley was okay. the coach at the time. So we talked about that. And he was like a grunt, basically a grunt. <laughs> but they, they never drafted me in Philadelphia draft. So San Antonio draft, I mean, I got a chance to play with on a team with the, the great George Iceman Gervin. He was leading the league in scoring. Uh, the Bruise Brothers, as, as they were called, and they were magnificent down there, fast, fast break. Uh, and then I got drafted. I came off the bench the first year by Stan Allback. The second year, we went and got Artis Gilmore. And we had Artis Gilmore, George Gervin, Johnny Moore led the league in assists. Uh, Artis Gilmore led the league in field goals. We, we traded for Mike Mitchell, who was an all-star in the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I, and I won out the uh, power forward position when it was, I was fourth on the depth chart on that one, but yeah. I won that one out. And then we had our skill more and, and we were in the Western conference finals two years in a row. Yeah, that's right. They, they, there was, there was definitely, definitely some good Spurs teams in those, uh, those early eighties. You ended up going to the bulls uh, for a couple of years as well. So you, you, you kind of had, have some interesting timing throughout your career. I mean, coach Maybe. K's, Coach K's, you know, last first year's your last year. You caught you, and then you're on the Bulls with with MJ uh, early in his career. And the thing how I got on the Bulls, Stan Allback left San Antonio. He was gone for two years. Did a great job in New Jersey with the Nets, and the Bulls hired him. And by the time I was with San Antonio, Cotton Good Simmons, we we weren't really getting along. And when Stan got the job in Chicago, his first acquisition was getting me up to Chicago, which was awesome because I had played for before. <laughs> So I had to thank Stan more than anything else that I got that opportunity to go up there and, and I was going to come off the bench. Orlando Woolridge was on that team. They had Quentin Daly. They had uh, – then Michael was his first year. Uh, this was going into his second year when I got traded up there. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, David Greenwood, uh, Sidney Green, and then we also uh, drafted Charles Oakley. Yeah, that's right. Charles Oakley, he was my rookie, so to speak. So, yeah. uh, But then, you know, Quentin Dilly went down because he had the drug situation. Orlando Woolridge got traded because of a drug situation. Um, Greenwood got traded away. So next now we have Dave Corzine starting. John and John Paxson, on request of Ice and myself and Jerry Krause, was brought to San, Chicago from San Antonio. So now you got Paxson, Jordan, Oakley. I get the starting, starting spot and Dave Corzine. Wow, that was that – was- that was some team. Uh, I guess you were you. Were, so, what were, what were your early impressions of Michael Jordan? You know, getting to play with him that early in his career. Uh, energetic, uh, unbelievable. Um, he's just a teammate. Um, at first, he just did. You know, he did stuff in practice that was just amazing. You know, you you, you think some of the games he do stuff, and you tell him to do it again, he don't he don't remember doing any of that stuff. But uh, <laughs> he was just he was just his energy level and the way he played. Uh, he just comes at you. If you piss him off, he's coming at you. You know, he's going to come at you. Uh, and our practices were worse than games. I mean, we, we were allowed to take him out, and we did. We beat the hell out of him. He took it. He came back with more. He's a, he's a shit talker, excuse my French. 
Uh, <laughs> he'll talk and he'll, he'll get you just like if you play on the playgrounds. Uh, but that was a great thing about it. And uh, we just didn't have a bench. You know, we had some players, but, you know, we could be in games most of the game. But when you go down to the end of the game, you know, you're tired of foul trouble. That's, that was our biggest problem that year. But he was a, he was a phenomenal, just amazing. I, I felt honored to be playing with him. Yeah, I, I, I believe you were there. Were you, were you there for the 63-point game in, uh, yeah, in I was Boston on Garden? I was on the court. What was it like What was it like in the arena that night when he puts up the 63? He's, he's going nuts. He's in his zone. But we've seen, <laughs> him in, we've seen him in zones before, you know, so that was nothing new to us. We just let him fly. Uh, but this night, it just seemed as though he was just – it was just on a certain different level. And Boston was coming at him different ways. Everybody was coming at him different ways. Uh it was amazing to be out there and watch it. But like I said, we were used to him having the streaks like that. But it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And we just we just rolled on it. We just rolled on it. And we should have won the game, but it went into overtime. We lost it. But other than that, uh, like Bird said, it was it was like God in his body playing that game. It was amazing. Yeah, it was it was incredible. And we're talking to uh, Gene Banks. Former, uh, former Duke legend, played a, a few years in the NBA as well. You also uh, you transitioned and went overseas for a number of years. Also, what was that uh, that process of you know going from the from the NBA to uh, to overseas? What, what was what was it like playing overseas for you? Well, it was the most magnificent experience of my life. These ten years, I wasn't planning on going over there, but I had ruptured my Achilles tendon with the Bulls. Uh, ruptured in 1987, and uh, as I was departing from them they got a deal for me to go to Italy and uh, it was more like going there for a rehab type of situation so I went there spent a year there and Artis Gilmore we were in a package deal so I went over there and played that was a great experience being over there you know they take care of you all their perks you know they give you a house cars and take care of your kids in school uh, but you gotta you know American players have to get adjusted to that style of play you know they have they have the extra step the the Euro walk, and they call it now, is accepted here where you get the three steps. They have the back, step back. Back then, it wasn't accepted in the NBA, but now it is. Um, so you have to get used to that and the temperament. So we got, we had to, you had to deal with that. Italy wasn't all that great. I came back, and then uh, I wound up going, I was going to get back in with the league with the Hornets, um, and I made the last cut, except for they wanted me to go into the CBA, which I never was going to do. Uh, but Carl Shears assured me that during the season, he said, well, my calf, he feels my calf will get stronger. But I was, I was fine. But I, I went to the CBA and Flip Saunders was a coach of the lacrosse catbirds. Now, if you know Flip Saunders, okay. yeah. we, wanted to, we went, up, I went up there, we won a championship. And before the end of the championship game, I went on over to go to France because we didn't get called up. You know, in the CBA, you supposed to get called up. They gave me the contract. I went to France, Montpellier, and over there to play and uh, they gave me a great perk and made some quick money and I still want to get back into the league and uh, it just every time I, I tried with different teams I tried with the Clippers I made it I did everything good I played well played let them rebound or whatever but I didn't have guaranteed contract but other guys did and they wanted me to go back to CBA and play so they can in case somebody gets hurt but I was getting older now you know so I wound up uh, getting a contract in, uh, in, in Israel uh, and I wanted to play to Israel, and the same thing that happened at Duke, going to a team that's supposed to, to lose and so forth. Um, we were supposed to finish 12th. We went to the championship. We had a bunch of ragtime guys, but we had a one kid that was Michael Jordan. His, his name was Andre Spencer. 
Okay. Uh, and, and kudos and, and not kudos, but condolences go. He just passed about four weeks a month ago at a young age because he had a diabetes uh, reaction. But he was uh, he was the closest thing to Michael Jordan by looks and by playing. And we had a championship. So I wound up staying in his world for four years. Okay. Yep. Right. Then I played two years. My game, my game started changing, and I went to play in Argentina, and I played two guard in Argentina because we were we were six ten, six eleven, six ten across the front line. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so from center, great. so from center at Duke to, to two guard in Argentina about about ten years later. That's, well, I, that's didn't, quite I didn't really I didn't really play center at Duke. We had Mike. Yeah, yeah. We had Mike. That's true. Mike Jaminski. Yeah. <laughs> we had Jaminski, then we had Tissol. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was, and I wasn't, back then, Kenny Denard was the, quote, power forward. And I was the very yeah. power forward. I went up into to the NBA and played the power forward, and that was only because of the position itself. I'm really 6'7". I'm not really 6'8". Yeah. But when you go on there and you have your first initial, uh, they, they do your measurements for the league. I was on my toes a little bit, so I got that. <laughs> Because once you get that that first one, it stays with you throughout your career. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can't have two six eight guys playing the, the front line. But we got away with because we had Artis Kilmore. Yeah, yeah, certainly, uh, certainly true in, in that aspect. You also, I guess, right after your playing career ended, uh, is when you got inducted into Duke Hall of Fame uh, as well. So, what was uh, what was what was that honor like for you to uh, to be you know be inducted into that Duke Hall of Fame? It was it was it was amazing. I mean, because the, the one thing I liked about it, my grandmother was still alive. My mother was was they both came down. My mother, my grandmother doesn't like to fly, and so she took the train. So for my grandmother and mother to experience that was was truly amazing for me, especially my grandmother, and my son was there as well. So uh, to be inducted into the Duke Hall of Fame amongst all those great uh, people that were in there, there were so many guys in there: Leo Hart. Uh, I can name names uh, as far as Duke athletes of the old total spectrum of players, but I think I was uh, Tate Armstrong winning as a Duke basketball player. If you don't know the name of Tate Armstrong, he was a great shooter and scorer. Uh, but to be be uh, one of the, I wasn't the first African American to go in. There was a guy named Ernie Clark, I think, that went in as a football player, but I was the second, and I was very happy and pleased. It wasn't so much about race for me; it was happy that I I got into the Hall of Fame, so I was very thankful about that. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly a big honor, no question about it. I, you've started, you've started your own podcast, as, as we were kind of talking, uh, the Bank Shot podcast yeah. with uh, with Gene Banks. Yeah, I, I guess what uh, what led you to uh, to get into podcasting? I I was doing so many podcasts for everybody else, and and a producer person came and said, Gene, I don't understand why you don't have your own. I said, Well, I never have time because I'm always traveling, doing things. I'm here and I'm there. He says, No, he says you're doing everybody else's, and they, and you got great stories but you're good at it, your voice and the whole nine yards. And he says, listen, if you decide you want, I want you to do it. I'm going to make your website. You see what my, what your, how my website is? And she said that when you see my web, your website, then you'll decide, you'll know. I saw the website. It's amazing what, what, what they did. Uh, and then he said, now we're going to do the podcast. And then the pandemic, but this, this, this makes it even more better because I, I, I'm staying still. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and, and my podcast is everybody has them, but mine is more so with iconic people that I talk to. I let them talk about their story. I let yeah. them share how they began when they came from grade school, where they lived in the neighborhood, with, with neighbors who people helped them out, all those things. And we will go up to their sports. We don't talk about controversy unless they want to talk about them, but I don't 
bumped them on the heads. And these are guys that I know that I played against or played with. And they're really to share. And I hit them with spots about, I'll find out things what their teacher said to, to what they did. Or their brother told me that something that happened to them in their household, how they had to move here and there. So, and people, people are loving. I got over 3,000 listeners every time it comes on. And, and it's going all overseas and everything. We still haven't even hit the, the total market. I'm, I'm just, I'm amazed by it. I'm amazed by it. And I'm, I have fun by it because I'm listening to, even though I'm giving the questions out, I'm listening to the stories as well. I'm learning yeah. more. So yeah. it's an amazing thing. Yeah, certainly. I, I was actually, that's actually what I was going to ask. You've had some really, really cool guests on there. I was you know, looking through past, past episodes and yeah. listening through it. Who were some of, I guess, some of the guests uh, that you've, uh, you've had on there so far? We've had the great Ralph Sampson, who played at the University of Virginia and played with Houston Rock with Elijah Wan. We've had the great Phil Ford, who, if you know, he led the uh, Chapel Hill attack, uh, and you know his history. Derek Wittenberg, when with Valbano, when they won the NCAA yeah. title. We've also had George Iceman Gervin. That was a that's a good one. We've had uh, Bob McAdoo, the great Bob McAdoo for the Lakers, and won the championship. We've had Rick Mahorn, uh, one of the bad boys. We've also had Charles Oakley, former Bulls and Knicks. He talks about certain things about what happened uh, with New York. Uh, we've yeah. also had Lindsey Harding, who was a great uh, NCAA top player of the year and Nesmith winner, a great Duke women's player. We had Nancy Hogsheads, Marker, who was at Duke when I was there, Olympic gold medal champion, uh, won three gold medals and one silver. Uh, we have, oof, it just, it's just a load of guys. <laughs> and I've been very fortunate to have these, these people on the show uh, and, they, and they feel comfortable. They're relaxed. And I did I did one of my own uh, to start the show, who is Gene Banks, so to let people yeah. learn more about me and that one. So, and this, this, this season number two is going to be great. And I got, I'll, I'll share some. I got Leonard Hamilton <laughs> from Florida State coming up. I, <laughs> I maybe even have a Kobe Bryant stand on. That's Ooh. Ooh. major. Dr. J. That's, that's, that's that Philadelphia connection. Well, you know, he, he, does, he doesn't do them. He doesn't do them. And then yeah. you know, it's really nip and tuck after Kobe died. Yeah. Uh, and then Adam Silver, possibly. Okay. Wow. And definitely got to right. get, going to have Coach K. I'm going to get ah, Coach yeah, you got to get Coach on there, on there too. Yes. got to do it. I got I to pick my spots with him. And the thing I want to do with him, I don't want to really talk to X's nose. He has a history of his ethnicity from Chicago. He came yeah. up from that Polish area of Chicago. Yeah. Some great stories about that, of him going to the army and why he went to the army. He has an amazing story about why he went, his mother and his father, that you, you don't y'all don't know. That's the that's what, what I want to bring out about Coach K. That would that would certainly be a uh, be a great and interesting listen. Uh, no question about it. You know, we're talking to uh, Gene Banks, former Duke star. Gene, before we uh, before we wrap up here, tell everybody where they can uh, where they can get the podcast and check out Love your it. website and all that stuff. Thank you. First of all, let me tell you that I, I enjoy yours and I'm going to be following yours. Appreciate but, it. Uh, <laughs> called The Bank Shot with Gene Banks. It's on, you can check it on Spotify. You can get it on Anchor. You can get it on SoundCloud. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Juju. But to make it even easier for you, you go into my website, which is www genebankslegend.com it pops up and you'll see the menu has podcasts on there you can hit it and the, the whole playlist is there and uh, we always premiere on Sundays at 7pm in the evening uh, on anyone on Spotify or Anchor and all those and SoundCloud but you can always go back and you can check them out now you know so yep. all you're listening 
you go on to www.genebankslegend.com and you'll see, and then even stroll through that. We're going to have a store in, in, the, in, the, in the website. You know, uh, my posters, I got three posters that are coming out. That's going on there. I'm going to give you giving away basketball, my T-shirts. It's going to be amazing. So venture through it, take a look at it. See how, and then I'm also want people to get more involved in it. Uh, tell me what you like. Tell me what you think, who you would like to see on the show. Talk about questions you need want to ask. And I'll, I'm going to bring in my season two. I'm going to bring them out when I talk on the show. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to have people on this show with the show. <laughs> it certainly sound, sounds interesting. Look forward to uh, the season two. Again, it airs, uh, like you said, 7 p.m. on Sundays. GeneBanksLegend.com is, uh, is the website, the Bank Shot Podcast uh, yep. with Gene Banks. Gene, this, is, uh, this has been great. We'll have to do it again sometime. Thank you. Keep up the good work, man. Call me anytime. I appreciate, I appreciate it. And that's uh, good stuff from Gene Banks, former Duke player and NBA star, That'll do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. <laughs> Gene giving the uh, the shout out to, uh, to Duke uh, with the uh, the hat on there. Uh, again, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. As always, you can get it on Apple and Spotify and anywhere that you get podcasts. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.